0: What's up, Freaks? It's your boy, Marty here to introduce this rip of TFTC. Maybe 246. Not sure on the exact number. You can read it on your podcasting app. It's probably there. This is going to be the first, uh, oh no, second episode. And we have video on Spotify, if you're listening on Spotify. Sat down with the individuals building out the Fediment protocol and the app FETI on top of it. Obi Nasu, Justin Moon, Eric Sirium to go over what is a Fediment what are the trade-offs what it can do for Bitcoin what it can do for mass adoption what it can do for Lightning Liquidity incredible episode these guys are building something really special that um, I'm very proud to support and i um, very excited to see what they build out uh, as time moves on they've already built a considerable amount at the protocol level they're building an app on top of that right now and it'll be very interesting to see what they produce in the years to come this rip was brought to you by our good friends at Unchained Capital, right down the hall from me here in the Austin Bitcoin Commons, and the Bitcoin Austins, and the Bitcoin Austins, Bitcoin Commons in Austin, Texas. It's early; it's not early anymore. It's like almost eleven here, so I should be awake. Unchained Capital is awake, awake, and securing, helping you secure your your Bitcoin by helping you eliminate single points of failure, as we've seen over the last many months. There is certainly single points of failure risk out there, especially if you're giving your Bitcoin uh, to centralized custodians who are then lending it out on the back end to people who are taking crazy risks that end up losing your Bitcoin. Uh, Unchained is here to help you mitigate that risk, to help you mitigate these central points of failure. They do this by leveraging Bitcoin's native multi-sig properties. Uh, nothing exemplifies this more than their Volt product, which is a two or three multi-sig. Where you hold two keys, Unchain holds one. As long as you have your two keys, you're going to be able to move your Bitcoin as you see fit. If you're ever in a pinch, Unchain is there to be the second in the two or three multi-sig. If you're a high net worth individual, if you're a business... If you're a humble sat stacker with a considerable stack, uh, I would consider, highly consider, engaging with unchained capital. Uh, you have single points of failure at the centralized custodian level. And then also, if you're just holding your Bitcoin on a single SIG wallet, uh, that's a single point of failure as well. If you lose that wallet and the backup, your SOL, uh, the two or three multi-SIG vault that Unchain offers helps you mitigate that single point of failure. You distribute that risk out. Uh, If you want to figure out how to get onboarded onto the Unchained Vault, they have a very high-class white-glove service where they'll take you from zero to understanding multi-sig, to understanding the vault, to interacting with the vault and putting sats in it eventually. Go to www.unchained.com slash concierge to connect with their concierge team to get onboarded onto a vault. Tell them the TFTC sent you. Uh, This trip was also brought to you by good friends at Brains. Breaking news. Not breaking anymore. It happened yesterday, but uh, Brains is the team behind Slush Pool, which is the oldest mining pool in Bitcoin's history. Uh, They're rebranding Slush Pool from Slush Pool to Brains Pool. Okay. They're bringing the whole Brains brand and all their products under the Brains name. They have what will soon to be Brains Pool which is uh, a mining pool if you're hashing and you're looking for a, a pool that has exemplary service, exemplary reputation, consider pointing your hash at BrainSpool. I'm like mentally beginning to remind myself not to say SlushPool. It's going to be, hey, Slush is an incredible brand. It'll be remembered uh, throughout the annals of, of Bitcoin history forever. Turning the page, new chapter, Brains Pool. You also have Brains OS Plus firmware. If you have an ASIC that is compatible with Brains OS Plus firmware and you're not using it, you are an idiot. You're leaving sats on the table. Only idiots leave sats on the table. Don't be an idiot. Idiot-proof yourself. Download BrainsOS Plus firmware. Go to brains.com, dot com. Check out their BOS Plus page. Find out if your ASIC is compatible. And if it is, highly recommend you download it. If you have BrainsOS Plus firmware and you point your hash at Soon to be Brains pool, you're going to get zero percent pool fees. If you want to learn more about the benefits of that firmware, I recorded an episode with Edward Evenson a couple weeks ago, in which he described it at length. I'm also going to be sitting down with the co founder of Brains tonight, uh, Jan Kapich, uh, and that episode will be out immediately after this one. Um, so be on the lookout for that. Brains.com, B R A I I N S.com. This group is also brought to you by our good friends at Hoddle Hoddle. Hoddle Hoddle is here. To bring you a lending platform that leverages Bitcoin's native multi sig properties as well. What you do is you put your Bitcoin up in a two or three multi sig escrow. You hold one key. You're, excuse me, I burped. Sorry for burping during the ad. Your counterparty in the loan holds uh, a second key, and Hoddle Hoddle holds a third key. Try not to burp again. Sorry. Um, <laughs> in this model, you put your Bitcoin up as collateral. You get stable coins in return that you can go spend. Uh, and as long as you're paying a loan back, you're going to get your sats back at the end of the day. And you know that your sats are safe because you hold one key in that two or three quorum and you have visibility into the escrow account throughout the duration of your loan. HODL, HODL uh excuse me, the lending pro- platform is important to mention. is also no KYC, no AML. It's peer-to-peer. So if you're looking to get a loan in a uh, privacy-preserving way, this is the way to go. Uh, Lend.HODLHODL.com is the where you should go to check out that product. They're also throwing the Baltic Honey Badger Conference in Riga, Latvia, in the beginning of September. So a little bit over a month here. I'm going to be there. It's going to be a great time. I went in 2018. It was an incredible conference. Can't wait to get back. They've had to uh, uh, they've had to green light it. Or not green light it. What am I looking for? Moonlight it. That's the word I'm looking for. For a couple of years, obviously, because of COVID. It's back this year. Go to BalticHoneyBadger.com. Uh, to get your tickets there. This rip is also brought to you by our good friends at Upstream Data. They're going to take control of all your mining needs, whether you're an at home miner, a utility that's looking to leverage excess uh, electricity on your site, on your property, or an oil and gas company that's looking to leverage wasted gas resources upstream at the midstream, wherever it may be. If you have stranded Gas, uh, you're looking to monetize, which I do with their hash huts. They are there for you. With the black boxes, which are for at-home miners, uh, they can hold two miners and they're building a bigger design as well that can hold more miners. What this does is help eliminate the sound. that goes from, you put it in the box and that sound goes from to (sighs) the box also helps with heat dissipation so that uh, your miners aren't going to crap out and you're not going to set your house on fire. Um, it's a beautiful product. Use the code FREAKS if you buy a black box. You're going to get 5% off. Uh, they're also going to help you acquire ASICs if you're looking um, to put ASICs in that and you don't have them already. Upstream has you covered there. And again, uh, there are other products. I'm a customer of the hash shot. I have a 50 kilowatt Hashut. And it has been hashing beautifully for months on end. No downtime outside of oil changes. They purpose-built their generators for Bitcoin mining. And it's a beautiful product. I'm a very happy customer. Go to upstreamdata.ca. Tell them that TFTC sent you. If you're looking to acquire some hash out some generators and mine Bitcoin and some ASICs as well. Upstreamdata.ca. Tell them that TFTC sent you. Last but not least, this rip was brought to you by our good friends at CrowdHealth. CrowdHealth is here to help you. Approach healthcare in a new way. What you do is uh, you get signed up on a a monthly subscription fee uh, and you pay that month in and month out. That goes to a dedicated bank account that that you control. At any time, you can take the money from that account and take it back into another account that you control. Uh, On top of that, they're adding a Bitcoin component to it. They have a Bitcoin community. Uh, If you go to joincrowdhealth.com slash tftc, uh, you'll, you can learn all about how they're implementing Bitcoin. Essentially what you'll do is you'll pay your monthly fee uh, and a portion of that will go to Bitcoin so that you can have your dollars and your Bitcoin escrowed uh, in segregated accounts and you can build up your, your health care bank account uh, in Bitcoin and dollars. And then if you ever have a health event, the way it works is you go, uh, you get your bill from the doctor. Uh, CrowdHill is going to help you, number one, negotiate that bill lower. Uh, and then number two, uh, you send that out to your community and you help crowdsource your, your healthcare cost. Uh, you put up the first $500 and then the community takes care of the rest. They've had a hundred percent of their bills paid. Uh, and I, I think it's an incredible service an incredible model to approach healthcare considering the opaque nature of health insurance. And especially as we're heading into an economic downturn, if you're looking to lower your healthcare costs. I think uh, Crowd Health is a great way to do that. You can go to joincrowdhealth.com slash BTC, or excuse me, TFTC to check out everything they have going on. They have a link to uh, my episode with Andy Scroonover, the CEO of Crowd Health, that we recorded a few months ago. Highly recommend you check it out. I'm a Crowd Health user. That's how I'm um, uh, paying for healthcare for my family. Uh, and, uh, it's important to mention if you use the code TFTC at checkout, uh, the first uh, thousand members of the Bitcoin community are going to get a hundred dollars, or excuse me, ninety nine dollars a month for the first six months. That's a good discount. Go check it out and enjoy this rip with the gentleman building Feddy. You've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free. If you talk about a Fed just gone nuts, all all the central banks going nuts. So it's all acting like safe haven.
1: I believe that in a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to
2: devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of fiat currencies, Bitcoin is the victor. I mean, that's part of the bull case for Bitcoin. If you're not paying attention, you probably should be. You probably should be. You probably
0: should be. <laughs> are you on mute? No. Oh, there you are. You were missed last night. We had Austin Bitdevs last night. You weren't here. Yeah, it pains me. It pains me,
1: but sometimes you have to go and uh, actually build something. <laughs> you
0: know? We were hoping for a demo last night. Freaks, I'm sitting down with the Fetty team. We've got Justin Moon, our long-lost awesome brother. Brother, He's sitting with Eric Sirian, who's off-screen, uh, and yeah, Obi as well. We're here to talk about Fetty, Fediments, Gentlemen, congratulations. It's been a big week for you. How are we all feeling? You guys getting any sleep?
3: Not much.
2: <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, Obi doesn't seem to sleep. He just he just is always going.
1: It's amazing.
2: Yeah, we are slowly catching up. Like it has been a wild week. Um, like a lot of engagement on Twitter. Um, slowly but surely, we are getting back to building, which is great.
0: A lot of engagement. A lot of back and forth. There's a lot of a lot of people saying, "Hey, what's going on here? Uh, is this trade off worthwhile?" why don't we just jump into the criticisms first? There's been a lot of people saying, hey, uh, what is this? Uh, This this thing's, this Federation's custodial. Um, Fediments, why are are people excited about them? Why should the freaks out there be excited about Fediments and FETI particularly?
2: Yeah, yeah. let me take this. Um, it's a t- a totally a valid criticism. And I think it mostly comes from uh, hardcore Bitcoiners that know how to self-custody their Bitcoin. But like something we've been discussing internally and also publicly a lot is uh, an observation of which I think mostly Obi made me, me aware of this. Like most people that interact with Bitcoin actually don't do this uh, through self-custody today. And um, so... Who we are targeting with Fediment is not uh, the super sovereign Bitcoiner Bitcoin that already has uh, like five hardware wallets and a three out of five multi-six setup uh, with like geographically redundant backups. Like that's not uh, who we want to uh, like help first. It's not our primary target market. But who we actually want uh, to help are the millions of people that cannot do that, that are um, forced to use exchanges these days because they cannot figure out their backup story. They cannot uh, just like, not think about um, like how would they inherit or how would their hires inherit their Bitcoin, for example. Like, there are so many cr- open questions for normal people that uh, there exist technical solutions for them, but it's really hard uh, to understand for most people. And I think the federated custody model makes a lot of sense in these cases, and uh, that's mm-hmm. where we're trying to help.
3: Um, yeah, I completely agree. Uh, a friend of mine is uh, runs a Bitcoin exchange in Africa called um, Bitnob is <laughs> the name of the exchange. And they are very focused on getting people to self-custody there. Um, like I did at CoinFloor, but with the best win in the world, they're, they're running at um, 80% still um, are custody on exchange. Even though they really want to get it to much lower. And the biggest exchanges in Nigeria is Binance, actually, for users. And they're, therefore, if, if they try every day to get people to self custody and they've managed to, with education and so on, get to 80%, then it's probably 90, 95% with most other exchanges. And that's the problem that um, we ultimately would love everybody to self custody, but there's a process. And and what we definitely all want is to as quickly as possible to get them off exchanges. And then once we do that, we can slowly educate them up to be able to self custody.
0: Yeah. I I think
3: uh,
1: Another angle here is that we talked a little bit about, you know, originally uh, Fettingment started more as a privacy research project. And then, uh, there were some realizations that it could be useful for custody as we've been discussed here but it, it also has some great properties for scalability. Uh, you know, like if you ask your average hardcore Bitcoin, how are we going to get eight billion eight eight billion people to own bitcoin right? Uh, you know there aren't a lot of great answers to that currently, and I think Fedimit's one of the best ones that I've seen you know like we have uh maybe'll in a if I'm not talking at some point, I'll run out and grab this little box of uh Pis we have. there's four of them simulating kind of the first federation and this thing can do as many transactions as Bitcoin itself. Uh, just a couple little, uh, devices, you know, a couple hundred dollars worth of devices, uh, is, as adds a whole new Bitcoin's worth of scalability. Uh, not, not, not only in terms of like on-chain UTXO scalability, but also scaling lightning too, you know, so you can have lightning channels that where, you know, you, you, you spread the, uh, like the, 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 uh, you know, the the effort to maintain it, as well as the capital that is locked up, the time value of the money that's sitting in the channels, you spread this out over like a 10,000 users. So it's great for scaling both uh, Lightning and Bitcoin, and that's that's another I think thing that uh, you know if you if you remember uh, John Kentrell's tweets about how to get eight billion people on on Lightning, uh, you know this is. You know, he did the math. Like, you know, it'd take two years to do all the channel opens, for example. <laughs> you know, uh, like this, this, this is. Uh, it, it takes lightning where it is and what, what its strengths are. Kind of a hub and spoke thing, and and turns that into a positive rather than.
0: Well, I, th- I think this is a great part to jump into how um, yeah. the Fediment protocol actually works and what you guys will be building at FeTI, How um, are users able to engage in this uh, this custody model. How is it providing privacy and how is it providing scalability? How do, how do these mints work in the first
3: place? So does Eric, you want to start on Fedimint and maybe Justin on Feddy.
2: Yeah. yeah, that's a good plan because like Fedimint uh, is the underlying protocol that will be powering Feddy, And uh, as such, uh, Fedimint consists out of like three main parts. First is the Bitcoin custody where we hold the on-chain Bitcoin that people deposit into a federation. Second is um, the e part, where we issue these IOU tokens, these blindly assigned IOU tokens, the e-cash tokens to users. And that way they can prove to the federation that they actually paid in some money, some Bitcoin. What is a federation? Just assume they know not. Yeah, money. right. Uh, that's a good point. Like A federation is just a bunch of people running uh, the Fedimint software. And uh, like they're communicating over the internet with each other. You can imagine it, like, um, for example, in Liquid, uh, like Blockstream's Liquid uh, protocol, like there are also a bunch of companies that run the server software, and they all talk to each other and manage the Bitcoin and Liquid network. And so, you would just start your own little federation that manages, like, the Bitcoin Pure Federation. Yeah, so I think there's a like multi-sig that is yeah. like
1: has some ability to be scripted. So all the participants in the multi-sig uh, like contract. Uh, will send messages around each other and agree on, you know, should we accept a deposit? Should we uh, issue a withdrawal? Should we, you know, incentivize a lightning operator to do something? You know, it's, 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 a, it's, it's, a, it's like a replicated state machine. Yeah. Every participant in this multi-sig, the, their software goes back and agrees on kind of how to transform the system.
2: Yeah. And uh, the good thing about this model is that um, like, even if, uh, one or two of these machines fail, depending on how many there are in total, the system can just continue uh, to operate. And uh, like, that's a big benefit of federations where you would actually go to all this trouble of having multiple computers run by multiple people. It's uh, about resilience. Um, for example, in our case, like uh, with our sp- specific setup, if uh, like one third, uh, if less than one third of the members fail, the system keeps running. If less than two thirds of the members are malicious, nobody can steal any money. And uh, like, that's the great thing. Like, even if like one third uh, to two thirds was malicious, uh, they couldn't even steal money. Um, that's a big concern typically with these, uh, like custodial systems.
0: Why, why is that? Like what, why is the threshold that high?
2: Um, like fundamentally, you can think of it as like, for example, a two of three multisig, mm-hmm. and uh, you can imagine then like if one of the nodes fails, then you can still sign. If two fail, uh, let's say it's three out of four, because that's what we actually do. Like if one fails, you can still sign. If two fail, you cannot sign anymore. But nobody can take the money if a three are malicious. Then they can just take the money. Like that would be a concrete setup. Like the minimum size of a federation is four people. And that works quite well.
0: Awesome. And so as a Bitcoiner, somebody who what has...
1: What you can do with the... Like, like, so could you describe some of the interesting things that you can do with this setup? Like, What is what is the, like, the e-cash part? I
2: kind of interrupted you asking what a federation is. Yeah, system. right, right. Um, yeah, so I was uh, describing the second part, which is the e-cash and uh, what that means. Uh, like e-cash system is essentially a system to issue... Uh, private IOU tokens. like These uh, tokens uh, cannot be traced back to the user to whom they they were issued, but they prove to the federation uh, that the user has paid in some money at some uh, previous point. And so if you go to the federation again with your token and uh, tell the federation, hey, I want my Bitcoin back, uh, then it should give you the Bitcoin. And then note uh, note down that uh, like this token was spent and you cannot spend it again. Uh, but the federation doesn't have to know which user is actually re- requesting the withdrawal, which is uh, like good for privacy. Like the great thing about the Fedimin protocol is it provides decent default privacy. It uh, has good scalability. And like, as we discussed earlier, the trust model also works well with um, like building custody on top. So, yeah. but these were only like two aspects of the payment protocol. And the third, I think, is most important actually, and that's that we can integrate with Lightning, as our payment rails.
1: Yeah. So, think of if, like, let's say I'm in one mint, Mar- and Marty, you're in another mint, and we want to do a transaction, right? If if we have both have IOUs issued from different third parties who don't know each other, we're kind of stuck. We can't do anything. Yeah. Right. Uh, so you think of these little hubs, right? And they they don't have they wouldn't at this point they don't have a way to talk to each other. And that's what light—that's where our kind of uh, lightning comes
2: in. Yeah, so that was a great realization. Like as soon as you can both receive and uh, pay lightning invoices, uh, money via lightning, uh, using a federation, then actually all these federations become interconnected, and even more so, you become interconnected with the wider lightning economy, which is steadily growing. So. Mm-hmm. What we end up with, with the system is that you essentially have a semi-custodial or like a custodial, but trust uh, minimized, uh, lightning wallet or lightning, uh, protocol. Yeah, so no. and that's where actually the app comes in, because currently I was always talking about the protocol, but there's a big, big step missing. We need to bring this to users. Otherwise uh, all, all our work would be uh, for nothing because what we uh, want to achieve is that this is the default way or like a good alternative to uh, custodial solutions and that people will use it like my grandmother could use it. That would be ideal. And that's, I think, where I should hand off to Justin.
0: Well, I was going to say this, I think this is a great time to dive into like the details of how one transfers from one uh, federation to another over lightning. You're actually so you're taking eCash tokens from the one federation, turning it into Sats, sending it over Lightning, and then Sats are getting turned into that eCash token, correct? And how does yeah that...
3: uh,
2: the the nice thing about it is that by default these eCash tokens represent uh, Sats already, so there's uh, no exchange or anything involved. So but the the thing we do actually is like uh, we have like wrapped Bitcoin in a sense, like uh, these Bitcoin are in uh, like the Federation, the Federation has custody of them, but they allows, uh, allows the users, if they can present the eCash token to uh, decide what should happen to these Bitcoin. And one of the things that you c- could do with the Bitcoin is pay Lightning invoice. And then on the other side, uh, you get like these uh, custodial Bitcoins as eCash tokens again. Yeah, so in terms of how it
1: works on the Lightning side, uh, you know, one thing that's interesting about Lightning now is you have all these people who've been tinkering on it for like four years, uh, and they're, you know, some of them are very good at operating a Lightning node. Uh, they've done it for years, they can keep it online, they can manage the liquidity. Uh, and like a lot of these people are just doing it for themselves, right? Like I've been watching some of Eric's experiments with his node, and you know, he has so much expertise relative to how much actual payments he's probably using it for, right? Like many of the Lightning tinkerers, right? So an interesting thing about Fediment is that any Lightning node operator could go to a federation, uh, and if they trust that the federation's IOUs are honest, that they'll be redeemed, uh, if they're willing to hold a balance of these IOUs, then they could uh, go and serve as a LSP, basically. We've called them uh, gateways, same thing. Uh, and uh, basically, what what this is, is they they uh, they basically transform the types of Bitcoin, right? The IOU token to Lightning Bitcoin, right? Uh, uh, outgoing and incoming. So. The way it works is, 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 is kind of like a little escrow contract that is mediated by the Federation. So, for example, if you want to uh, pay, if you're, you, let's say I'm a user with an app, right? And uh, I got the Feddy app, and Marty, is uh, he's selling a thought on the Internet. <laughs> I don't know if he still does that. I know he <laughs> used to sell a thought on the Internet. Uh, so Marty is trying to sell a thought. <laughs> Absolute scammer, but he's selling a thought. And, uh, so he's got a lightning invoice and he, and so I see the lightning invoice and I want to pay it. Right. And so what I do is I take a little bit of my eCash tokens and I deposit them into an escrow inside the federation, uh, and the inside this escrow contract, it has a payment hash and the, the Federation's job is anytime they're, they're just going to sit on this until somebody can present a pre-image that matches this payment hash. And if they do, they will get my escrowed eCash cash tokens, right. And so, uh, so it's a simple escrow. And so what I do next, after I set up this escrow inside the Federation, is I go to the gateway and I say, hey, gateway, uh, I just set up this contract. Uh, here is, currently we have to give them the whole invoice. We've been having some interesting conversations about how we can do this in a more privacy preserving way. But we say, hey, gateway, uh, here's an invoice. If you go pay this, send the uh, and then present the pre-image, paying on Lightning just means you go and get a pre-image. If you can go present the pre-image to the Federation, you get Justin's uh, uh, custody or you you get Justin's escrow decash. So that's how it works. Uh, TLDR it's like the the Federation uh, 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 sort of is the judge of an escrow. And uh, any, uh, any lightning node on the internet, as long as they trust the Federation can come in and serve this role. So we see kind of like an active market of of like like a, a very open system for or. Yeah, a very open ecosystem of uh, uh, nodes being able to serve these federations based on, you know, how, 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 how well they are, how good they are at running a lightning.
2: Yeah. So actually this escrow contract in the federation, it's nothing else than the HTLC. Yeah. Uh, like it's just in a different execution environment. And uh, the main thing that the LSP does or the Lightning Gateway is it bridges the trust. Like it goes from the trustless Lightning Network to the uh, somewhat trusted federation model. And uh, in both directions. Sure. Yeah, it, it's it's like an extra hop in the lightning. Yeah.
1: in you know on a lightning route, except for now, this is like outside of the bolt context, yeah. right? Like it's just like a kind of an extension where the last hop it goes and leaves the traditional thing, but it's still doing the same thing, just uh, buying and selling pre-image. And
0: so, in terms of the Lightning Network, Lightning wallets, LSPs, is there anything on the Lightning? wallet infrastructure side that will need to be implemented to be compatible with this
1: yeah. Uh, well yeah there's lots of uh yeah there's so like uh i mean this is one of the recent little uh things we've just added recently is, is a plug to core lightning that allows you to uh, uh receive bitcoin on behalf of a federation user Right. And so this is like a a little piece of infrastructure that we need. We don't have a way to do this with LMD yet, but we'll we'll have to do something like that. We'll have to, uh, you know, uh, a lot of like little command line tools like this, probably some like kind of rebalancing tools between the uh, eCash tokens and lightning channels, stuff like that. But on a fundamental sense, these are like almost, like
2: tooling. On a fundamental sense, it's
1: not really like no yeah. changes to lightning. Or
2: I think that's the important part. Like we don't need any changes to the lightning protocol as it exists today.
1: Yeah. That, that's the, like, t- if you want to take away something from why Fediment is interesting is like a lot of the stuff you listen to, if you listen to podcasts or technical podcasts and you hear about new proposals, hear about new fancy things on Twitter, a lot of the times that you can't actually do that yet. Right. <laughs> uh, a lot of these things require changes to Bitcoin. And If you get it, you'd understand that one of the most important things about Bitcoin is it's very hard to change, right? That's one of the reasons why your money is relatively safe. Uh, And so that's a good thing about Fediment is that it works with Bitcoin as it is. If there's never another software, we can continue to execute our whole grand vision.
3: Awesome. Yeah, there's a phrase we say about maximum simplicity and um, Justin's being quite modest, but just on the sea lightning, for example... Um, if you wanted to um, be able to become a lightning gateway, that would involve at the moment. And correct me if that's changed, but it's you got it, it um, just to go to the point where it's one file you put in one directory, and you issue command to to load that, or you restart the lightning node, and that's it. You're done. That's that's the upgrade, for example, and that's what we want to have for every aspect of the system. Yeah, but um, anyway.
1: Yeah, One one thing is, uh, yeah, like I, I think that, uh, yeah, like I think it should be something where within 10 minutes, if somebody would like to, and they know how to run a lightning node, they will, they can be uh, serving a, a federation, right? And then five or 10 minutes, uh, they could, they could be fully up to speed. Uh, like eventually, it's not that yeah. yet, but it should be really, really quick.
2: Because the important part here is um, when we are talking about these federations, uh, we're assuming that uh, they will be run by local communities, for example. And uh, like, why would, for example, a big LSP that's uh, doing his, uh, their LSP business commercially trust such a local community um, and hold their eCash tokens and be their LSP? Like, that doesn't really work. Like, the federation would have to KBAC with them so they feel comfortable that's not good. But what we want instead is enable like local community members that are running Lightning nodes anyway, or like uh, maybe just friends of theirs that run Lightning node uh, to become an LSP in a really simple fashion. Just a, very simply to connect to the federation, and uh, then from there on, like the LSP tool will do everything automatically in the background. Like yeah. you, you manage like your. Uh, channel balances and stuff like that yeah but that's like normal lightning business like (laughs) there are tools to automate that and uh we're not getting into that but on the federation side it should be as simple as possible
0: and so justin you mentioned the the grand vision of fedi uh let's talk about that so you you guys just mentioned there you'd like these federations to spin up in local communities, what does this look like in the global South? Um, or, or do you envision Federation members being in the same city? Um, do you think it's wise for Federation members to be more geographically distributed? What, what does it look like when these federations begin spinning up in, in your mind?
1: Well, this is something that Obi's looked into more in terms of like the deployment. So I'll let him speak on that next. But I just want to say that I think it'll be local. And I think that's really <laughs> Because, like, we're, you know, like, especially, you know, there's, there's, uh, you know, there's, we live in a world now where there's, like, a few monstrous institutions that, like, control everything, and there's, like, the middle sort of hollowed out. And so that's what I would like to see. It's kind of, like, more the local, the middle, uh, regional, right? Like, less, less centralized uh, in in general. And so, yeah, like, in terms of how, how the deployments will work in some of our target markets, uh, I'd I'd, uh, defer to Obi on that one, because he's, He's just done a lot more speaking to our target users.
3: So, um, so thank you for that. I I think in, in summary, if I I've spoken to dozens of different people, um, and if I speak to X people, I get X different potential topologies, which is really good because that just tells you, you've got this very, very flexible base level tool. Um, so that's the first thing that increasingly um, um, gets me more and more excited. But some examples are local, you could say. It could be really small groups. I was talking to someone the other day where um, people who hold a Bitcoin um, and they are frankly, looking to make a, um, a, a fediment federation where they may not, but they believe at least at the beginning, not to have anyone other than the Federation guardians themselves being a member at that level. So it could be six people effectively having each other's back. That's that, uh, one extreme. Then you've got, and uh, what will probably naturally happen there is their friends and family will, will effectively start treating some of them as like Uncle Jim's, uh, I think that's the phrase. And so it starts to extend out from that point. Um, so that's one topology, which is local. You can see it and looking at what's happened with um, Galoi, etc., and Bitcoin Beach, you can have topologies around villages or towns and so on, where still I would consider that local where people visually are recognise most, if not all of the other people there. Um, you can also have situations where a community can have elements of the community who are international. So for example... If you've got a village in Nigeria, um, my, my family's village in Nigeria, for example, we have many relatives who live in Europe and US, UK, etc. European Union. So because Europe, UK is in Europe, um, yeah. they don't always remember that. Um, but they send a lot of money back home um, and they tend to be educated doctors, um, academics, et cetera. Back home to their families and villages um, um, in in say Nigeria a, 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 an example of a of a federation that was being discussed there is that the the sort of educated affluent givers from the diaspora could be running the federation's um guardians and their but their families back home who they're already giving money to. Um, and they might represent a large part of the income for the for their family back home are, are, are um, using them as a decentralized um, set of guardians because it sort of aligns with the trust model. Why would I just give you money, a large amount of paycheck to just steal it back from you? It makes very little sense. Um, and then at the extreme, you've got um, um, two larger type scenarios where organizations can set up, for example, um, Bitnob, is looking when we're ready to go. And there's um, there's another exchange in Middle East who's a similar um, idea. They want to get their customers to self-custody. They have problems with the cost of self-custody properly when you're using hardware wallets and so on. Um, Sometimes they have issues with the logistics of it as well. Um, They see this as a a potentially lower cost, but still, off exchange way of offering custody to their users. So if people want to off, um, go off the exchange, they just download an app and um, potentially scan the QR code and have privacy, and, but but still have a, um, a exchange like experience, but not be on an exchange. Um, but the exchange would have one of the one of the guardians, but they will work with other um, large organizations recognized in. community, for example, Um, uh, in still discussions, of course, but some ideas have been um, other um, um, human rights or humanitarian organizations, large um, religious organizations, like large respected churches might have one and so on and so forth to form a federation that way, which whatever makes sense for the local country. And that could have, in the case of, uh, say, Bitnob, um, you know, tens, if not hundreds, plus thousand people on that one, for example. So we, we have everything from large <laughs> right down to five people have been discussed. And
0: so you you mentioned uh, the goal of Fedimant and Fedi uh, on top of Fedimant is to get people away from custodying Bitcoin on exchanges. Sounds like what you guys are describing, this could be... An onboarding mechanism for people directly into the mint and then potentially onto Bitcoin without ever t- touching a centralized exchange?
3: I, that's a, that's a, that's, that would be my absolute dream. Um, and so I, there was a, you see it on the um, Bitcoiner jobs and sites. Uh, um, Justin and Eric um, described it, and I really like that phrasing. We're trying to build circular economies. And the base of the circular economy is the custody. So we, we will be thinking a lot about not just getting people to custody, but then to start, to continue, how do they then um, make sure it's a circular economy and they continue to use and operate and, and use this as part of this, their daily driver for their lives. But more on that down the line, I think.
0: Because you can envision a world, right, where you create these circular economies. I really like the model where, yeah, the affluent, doctors that are sending money back home and they start the federation they load it up with bitcoin tell their family yeah. members in nigeria download the Fetty app i'll send you these tokens yeah. and then they can go to their local community like hey we're using fedi uh, go to a merchant and say hey download this app and this is how i'll pay you and so yeah
3: or, or they send it in with, and they think well okay if i send it via um Moneygram or 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 um other payment systems like that, they can be paying hefty fees, really hefty fees. And then they have to wait and then someone has to visit potentially a store to wait in line to receive the money and they have to pay to get to the store. You know, um, it might be open, it might be closed and they are walking away with these, these large wadges of cash in plastic bags and everybody knows you're walking around with large wadges of cash as you walk out of one of those stores. So then you have a, a personal threat of risk As opposed to at your home, you you use your mobile because mobile penetration is very high. By 2025, you know, we're we're looking at over 50% of phones that will be smartphones in the world, 75% penetration. Just imagine you can just pick up your phone, talk to your, um, your loved one abroad, and they just send the money straight to your phone like that. It's with no cost to go to um, um, a MoneyGram or a Western Union or so on.
0: And so for that individual receiving money from their family members, sending it from abroad, uh, let's talk about uh, the security model of, of downloading FETI, getting these eCash cash tokens. Like what does the backup look like? Uh, how do you recover if you lose your phone? What is the, uh, uh, the, the fail-safe model here?
1: Yeah, so I'll, I'll start, and then uh, and then I'll on, on some of the recovery stuff. I'll I'll defer to uh, Eric. So the first thing is, you know, you 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 at least in the you know our early design so far, uh, you know, the first thing you need to do is join a federation. And there's I think two ways most people do that. Like one, they might get a link uh, that like encodes it as a URL parameter, so uh, you download the. You know, this is usually used for ads and stuff uh, to, to to track where the download came from. But we could just say like, Hey, you know, like join this Federation. And then as soon as it showed up, uh, the app loaded up, they just see, they'd see some piece of information that they, they, you know, check, they cross check with whoever, uh, invited them to the Federation, something like that. Or they would just say, scan a QR code, uh, enter maybe a link, uh, paste in a link that would just go and uh, register with the Federation, download the configs, uh, required to interact with the Federation, you know, like where, where are the ser- where are the servers? What are the public keys? the multi-sig for deposits, what are the public keys for all these e-cash tokens, uh, stuff like that. Uh, and so, and then once, once you're at that point, it's, you know, there's like one button receive, receive Bitcoin, you know, once you have some Bitcoin, two buttons, send and receive. So the idea is to just be like, just really simple. Uh, you know, anyone who can use an app should be able to use this app. Uh, and there's just the, the first, uh, first step of, uh, Figuring out which uh, which federation you're gonna you're gonna be working with uh, that's the only complication. And then uh, in terms of the the recovery side, I'd ask Eric to give a little.
2: Yeah, so that was actually um, a realization that uh, both Obi and I came to uh, when we were talking to each other. Like with this um, community custody model, where you essentially know the guardians that are running the federation, you get a great tool of doing uh, Shamir Secret Shared Backups, basically. Uh, like You can think of it uh, when you sign up uh, for the federation. Then what you could do is, if it's like a local uh, community federation, then uh, these people will know you by some name, for example. And the app would just ask you, please enter your name. And it will uh, then like uh, generate a seed phrase from which all your uh, money can be uh, like recovered and encrypt that seed phrase and Shamir secret shared uh, to all the guardians. And so what is Shamir secret sharing for
1: those who don't
0: know?
2: That's a good question. Um, <laughs> like it's a way of splitting up a secret into N parts. And as long as you can get, fi- uh, get, get T of these parts, like for example, if you have a four out of three federation, then you would uh, set N to four and T to three. And then as long as you get uh, these T parts of these shares, then you can recover the secret from that. So it's a lot like
1: multi secrets it's just yeah. not related to Bitcoin. It's just of the secret itself. So yeah. it's not enforced by the blockchain, it's enforced by some cryptography off chain.
2: Yeah. And uh, so the trick there is you generate the secret chairs, uh, you then put like a label on them pretty much. Like this secret chair belongs to a person XYZ. Like this uh, secret chair belongs to Eric. And everyone who know, everyone in my local community knows who I am. And I just give the secret shares to all the guardians. And then in the case that, for example, I lose my phone, I can like physically go to my guardians and tell them, hey, you know me, I'm Eric. uh, And I'm currently trying to recover my funds. Could you please give me back my share? And like that would be kind of involved. Like uh, you have to actually go to your guardians. But the signup process would be that simple. You just have to give some identifier by which your local community knows you. Like, it it might be, like, just Elserian in my case. Yeah. Um, Yeah, and uh, that's, like, a superpower, I think, of these federations because your trust model, like, you're trusting them with your money anyway. So why not actually trust them with your backup, too? And they will probably be around for quite some time because they have to take care of your money. Like, if they're just gone, then your money is gone, too. So you probably have chosen people that are reliable for that. Yeah. And so it's just a
3: great and, and that's super interesting. One, first of all, just on top of going up to them in person, you could contact them over Zoom or something like that, or or a, or a WhatsApp chat and, and have a video call. But if in that example, Eric went up and somehow I managed to, I tried to recover and say, hey guys, I'm, I'm Eric and you're, you're a member of the, or I'm Justin and, and you're one of the guardians. You know, you're gonna know I'm not Justin. Yeah, I, I'm hoping um, you're gonna know I'm not Justin. You didn't need my um, passport and selfie to know that. Where's you just than, you've got something better than KYC. You've got KYF. Know your friend. Know your family. You just know it in a human level from interacting with that person. And so we're just taking and we're leveraging that, which is much higher levels of uh, of um, of knowledge of someone. Without the onerous, and that was voluntarily given over a life of time spent with each other.
0: And if I understand it correctly, too, this recovery process it doesn't give the guardians visibility into your current balance at that time, too. It just gives you access to spend again. Correct. Correct. Yeah,
2: exactly. Um, like the only real risk there is that if the guardians would, um, like, would come together and conspire against you. Like then they could, uh, without your knowing, uh, so uh, without your instruction, like decrypt uh, the secret, and uh, then they would uh, be able to see uh, your balance and uh, past transactions. But actually, like Obi and I talked about this extensively, so we also got a solution for that. Um, but as long as we assume the federation, to be honest, and we should do that because they own, like they hold the money for us. Yeah. Like uh, if, if they are not honest, then we chose the wrong people. Uh, then the recovery process works without telling them or without leaking anything um, about your holdings, about your past transaction history to them. Yeah, so they yeah. would have to, they would
1: have to, they would have to uh, collaborate in a way that they could steal your money, but then they choose not to. Right? they're just going to de-anonymize you they're not going to choose your money. they're not going to steal your money it's it's a little yeah it's, it's somewhat I mean it could happen but it's
3: uh, you know but just to just to in the middle of that just to the, the recovery process will be your contact say you've got a, a free of uh, a four person uh, Federation and you need three or four as the threshold you would contact free by by a zoom whatsapp or in person they would they would recognize you because they know you. And so they would basically say, okay, and send you back their shard, their share of the, of the of, that you sent to them. And you on your own, um, within your Fedi app, for example, would reconstitute your key locally.
2: Yeah, I think something important to add here is that uh, when I say like they give you back your share, that should be highly automated in the app. Yeah, like you would yeah. um, like in the like when you lost your phone, you would uh, get uh, a new app, like um, open it and tell it to please recover my my previous wallet, and then it would let you enter your name again. And at that point, like it submits your new public key, um, like some new uh, information to the federation. And then you would uh, either reach out to them via Zoom, for example, or like they might even call you because they notice, hey, uh, Eric is trying to recover his funds. Uh, I should call him. Is it actually him? Like ask him. And uh, then they could in their app just click okay or decline like depending if it was imposter then uh, we probably don't want to go through with this. Yeah, that should be
3: the UX, like maximum simplicity all the way through. Exactly. What's so cool about this is that, you know, having run exchange, we have we had a program for very high net worths and most exchanges have that. And then there are dedicated custodians who have this, you know, the unchanged, the casas, anchorages and so on um, fire blocks. And then you have Coinbase custody. We have the similar. And for those high-end customers, you, you'd charge a pretty penny for it. But fundamentally they'll say, if they lost their keys, you'd, you'd you'd have a dedicated agent who they would get on a Zoom call with, and that person would look at some details for them to figure out if it is the person expected. And then um, they would potentially pass it to a second person who would go for a similar set of details. And then they would uh, allow them to um, get back their balance. We've effectively replicated that, but for anyone, anywhere, for free using people who know you even better than any agent for uh, any third party agent. So you get this sort of institutional grade, like experience for recovering your key white glove experience, but for free.
2: Yeah. I mean, maybe not for free. Maybe you invite yeah. uh, your guardians for, uh, for dinner
3: once. Somewhere. <laughs> I yeah, know. Yeah. It's friends and family. Well, like, yeah, so relationship.
0: Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. thanks, you're right.
0: That's, I mean, it's incredibly novel. And when you consider like the privacy and scalability benefits, it's mind-blowing how this can get Bitcoin into the hands of the masses. And up to this point, we've been discussing a very rudimentary use case, which is simply sending and receiving these tokens. But there's much more you can do with Fediment and that you can build on Fedi. I know Justin, you uh, did a hackathon project at Bitcoin Plus Plus where you injected simplicity into fediment I, I, I guess we can begin to go there. Like, what else can you do beyond sending and receiving these tokens?
1: Yeah, I mean, this this could be like a, it's like a federated uh, program or contract execution environment. You can put anything that you can express really in a computer program. You could have these. Uh, federation uh, servers run and then agree on whether they got the same thing. Of course, there's some, <laughs> you probably don't want to run Fibonacci, you know, like you don't want to, There's certain programs you don't want to probably run, but uh, I think this is going to be kind of a fruitful area of, uh, of ex- exploration because Fediment is very modular. Uh, like currently there's a consensus system for how these uh, servers talk to each other uh, but everything else is uh, in terms of like what messages they actually send back and forth, what state they agree on, what uh, contracts they enforce, all that's in, uh, uh, implemented in modules. So we have a module for an on-chain wallet, we have a module for the Chamia Mint, and we have a module for Lightning to incentivize these Lightning node operators to uh, serve, uh, you know, fulfill, fulfill uh, payments on behalf of the users. And so you can put whatever you want in there. And so, that, yeah, my uh, idea was simplicity. So simplicity is a—it's—it's it's intended. It's a—it's a very long-running project from Blockstream. It's about eight, eight or nine years old. Uh, from a, created by a really brilliant guy named Russell Conner, and it's intended to be a replacement for Bitcoin Script. That is how—that's the scripting language for Bitcoin Core. So if you ever heard of an HTLC, a uh, half-time lock contract, that's. Uh, that's implemented in Bitcoin script, and that's about all that Bitcoin script can do. It can hash, it can time lock, and it can uh, do signatures, right? And so the idea of Ethereum was like, let's basically run JavaScript inside of of the blockchain, right? And that was a stupid idea because you can't tell when uh, JavaScript is going to uh, terminate. You know, it could run forever. So then they have a gas, right? So now now it gets really complicated. You have to pay for every execution in your thing and it's stupid. So simplicity was an idea that you can tell ahead of time how long a program is gonna run for uh, and because they, you know, they model it out really well. Uh, But it can express a lot of like the covenants that we have been discussing, like CTV and a lot of these ideas, uh, I think recursive covenants, a lot of these could be uh, implemented in simplicity. One problem with simplicity is it may never get deployed in Bitcoin, right? Because it's very invasive change. If I had to bet there's maybe like a 1% chance it ever gets in. Uh, I, I would love to see it in, but I, I think it's slow. But we could still use it uh, in stuff like liquid or feddament, and uh, yeah, so that's that's a really cool thing. I mean, there's you can, you know, I I think there's all kinds of stuff we could do here that you know, like uh, that, it, and it would make more sense to do it here than on some kind of on some of these other like smart contract platforms.
3: Yeah, yeah. I, I like, sorry, go on, um, Eric. Go, go ahead. Sorry, <laughs> I was only going to say one sentence. You think about Bitcoin as this layer one and then uh, Lightning as this layer two. And what's interesting with Fedimin is effectively you make potentially hundreds of thousands of bespoke to your requirement on a community level layer three, And you can pick and choose. You don't have to everybody have every feature.
2: Yeah. And I think the like really a powerful realization of uh, the federation concept is that a, you not always need like, the full trustlessness that Bitcoin provides. Like, sometimes this trade-off is just worthwhile, and we can like, scale much better. Like, for example, when you think about uh, smart contract execution on Ethereum, like, everyone needs to evaluate these contracts. That's, in most cases, not really useful. Uh, like For example, if you had a local community that wants to um, do their um, like land registry on the federation, uh, why would they ever do this on like a really public blockchain? There's no sense in it. Like yeah. the enforcement of the land registry or of land ownership would be local anyway. So why not run it locally where it belongs? And as long as you have some smart contracting capability that you can interact with all these other systems like Bitcoin, like Lightning, uh, then you're golden. Like you can suddenly sell and buy land for Lightning or Bitcoin stand via Lightning. And that would be awesome, I think. Mm. Many other opportunities for federations in general. Like something I will be looking into at some point is uh, building generalized uh, sidechains. Like we got this one big uh, liquid sidechain by Blockstream, who is all, uh, they are also funding my work right away. Like a uh, big shout out to Blockstream uh, mm. but I think me work on Pediment. But eventually I will um, build a module that allows you to spin up your own side chain, which would be awesome. Like just imagine uh, people are discussing about op TV and uh, like writing long threads in, on email lists. What if we could just spin up a side chain that has CTV and where like a bunch of interested people like Jeremy Rubin and some others just act as guardians and they let people try out the technology. Nothing easier than that. And uh, with, yeah. we have to, Gotten some changes into Bitcoin one or two years ago with Signet uh, that you can actually spin up your own like sidechain kind of. And that would be super interesting to see being built on
3: Fediment. Yeah. And it's much more organic. If, if they do that and people start finding value, then they say, you know what? We have our own um, community federation. We'll just take that module and add it to ours. And, it, and then if it's valuable, people will start to adopt it. But you don't have to get everyone in the world to adopt it because you, before anybody gets use, utility from it.
1: Yeah, I think one of the interesting things here is if, uh, like, I, I, what I hope to see in the world over, like, the next 10 years is that, like, you have some really high-quality software that uh, can be used by lots of people in some sort of, like, a federated context like this. So that, yeah. like, you know, the start stuff we're using in Austin or, Uh, some of these nice, some of these expensive first world cities, right. They'd be using the same thing in like Calcutta for something, or for example, right. In, in, uh, in developing countries. Uh, And so so, like, if you could, if, if, if some of these like better modules of the client software uh, develops like a network effect such that like, you know, if you want some land registry for example, right. There's just like a, a extremely, uh, well-tested, battle-tested implementation as well as client, client software that's beautiful and usable. Uh, and just any community in the world could spin that up. Like that's that's kind of like a vision of the future that would get me pretty excited. Uh, it's kind of like, you know, that it's still wild when you think about it that like the, the phone and laptop that a college student has is the same one that Mark Zuckerberg has, right? Like, but what if we could bring some of that uh, in terms of the, like uh, uh, a phenomenon like that, but in terms of like the you know, how people you know get to use Bitcoin, how, how people do banking, like that is, how, how different is that? Like the banking stuff that rich people have is not available to anyone else, right? Uh, just two two different ballgames.
0: So you could have you could have like a FedEmit app store come to market, and people just pick and <laughs> plug as they see.
3: Right? That would be a good, uh, interesting idea. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's the that's the vision. I mean, uh, you know, but this is these this. So one of the things that appealed to me about this project is that it's it's uh, like well, it's both something that we can deploy in the next six months, you know, uh, like it's actually real, unlike a lot of these research proposals. Uh, but also, it would take like better part of a decade to fully realize the vision, you know. Uh, and so that's always like uh, something that's hard to find, right? Like something that's both realistic, but also would take a long time a lot of dedicated effort. Those are the types of things I think we should really... Like, that's what Lightning was, right? They could deploy it, but it's also still, you know, only partially realized, right? Like, it's going to take another decade for Lightning to fully form. And so maybe Fediman could be another one
3: of these sorts of things that we can
1: really work on for a long period of time.
3: Yeah. Although I think because of the work and, uh, and um, maturity of Bitcoin and Lightning, we can get to utility when we're saying six to, to um, six months time we get yeah. utility for real people on the ground very soon after that and then it just gets better and better and better over those 10, 10 years.
0: Yeah I mean Obi, that's one thing you and I have talked about um after your trip to Oslo is the the scalability and the quickness to market that that Fetty could provide. Like, let's talk about like how you see adoption playing out and how, how quickly it could scale up.
3: Well, how quickly it could scale up. I always defer to, um, on the protocol fediment and on the app Feddy, because, uh, you know, I was a engineer for many years. So I, I, I learned that we should defer. So the timelines I've given, uh, have always come from, from these guys, uh, which is amazing because, uh, you know, I think they're quite aggressive timelines. Um, so on that front, but in terms of the the adoption opportunities, as this product can be used by anyone, but the the focus we have is some of the markets where it's needed the most. Um, uh, for one of a better phrase, it's the global south, but with particular focus on parts of the world, they tend to be under authoritarian rule or under the yoke of oppressive regimes. Um, and they tend to have high levels of inflation. So they want something that protects them from that. They tend to have currency controls, So there's very hard to access money that has lower levels of inflation. Um, and because of the regimes that they tend to be based under, they have low confidence in The local government in um, the financial institutions that they have to rely upon, Uh, and as a result, they tend to have high levels of trust in in community because they're forced to, because they have to rely on each other. So this is you can you can imagine if you see how Fedimit works, it's fertile ground for something like that, and so um, we we are looking to roll out to those markets now we've talked to a number of people who um, literally have dedicated their lives to, on a local basis, support, help, um, give money to educate um, and protect people from those communities. These are NGOs, charities, um, um, not-for-profits, activist groups, human rights defender groups, and so on. And some of these are very large groups with footprints of that cover hundreds of thousands, in some some cases, millions of people. Um, Also separately, we're talking to institutions that, for example, I say exchanges that are based in some of these local jurisdictions, and they want to uh, philosophically help those people improve them. They're they're there for the mission as well as to make money. Um, And you know, again, that you're doing something really impactful when the response is almost an immediate, like in the case of Bernard, I say him again, it's just like, yeah, I completely get it. Let's do this. I was gonna make my own app. Why would I do that when this is effectively what I wanted to do, but 10 times better. Um, we have uh, people in uh, all over the world, but there is a lot of interest and we'll have to, uh, we're setting up different projects for different regions because um, They know the market. They know how to locate the right people, educate them and roll it out en masse. Um, We have the product. So we'll be listening to them. It's likely we want to do it and they also want to do it in a trial first, make sure it works with a small group. But they have the ability, once we know it's working and we've covered some of the questions that make it work for that particular market, they know how to take it from 500 people to 50,000 people. Because that's what they do day in day out.
0: Yeah, it's it's uh, it's very exciting when you consider the potential here. Uh, but I think this is a good opportunity, just to steel man everything. Like, how could Fetty Mint or Fetty fail in your eyes? Like, what are what are the the roadblocks, the potential hurdles that you guys are going to have to overcome um, as you're building out this open source protocol and the product on top of it?
1: I think one of the big ones is. Uh, I mean, that's this is one of the. I mean, there's a lot of ways it could fail, uh, and that's why it's an interesting project to work on. You know, it's, it's, uh, there's a lot of. So if you're, you know, if you're a developer who's talented, take a look. Uh, it's, it's pretty fascinating stuff. Uh, like one of the biggest ones is we just need to daemon the daemon, the the server software, to be extremely reliable, right? If anybody's run Bitcoin Core uh, for a couple years, you'll 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 come back to the server and it's still running. Even it's been every 10 minutes, it's doing its job, right? Uh, it's incredibly reliable. We need to achieve something like that. It's just got to never, ever crash, right? And it's, if somebody, if the dog pulls the cord out uh, and then you plug it back in, it's got to start right back up again, right? The database can't be corrupted. Uh, you know, uh, it, it's just got to it's, it's work. The basic functionality has to just work extremely well. Uh, hmm. I think another one is just making the setup easy, right? Like, uh, people generally aren't so good at running servers. Uh, that's a good thing about Fediment, is a few people running servers can serve thousands or more uh, others. Uh, so I think it, it, if, if deployed, it will represent a reduction in the need to run servers by people. Uh, a little more specialization, but we need to make that really, really easy. Uh, you know, it's it's got to be something that, you know, you can't, we can't require our guardians to be IT users because we, we want the people who we want the individuals that people trust to be running these. So it's got to be relatively straightforward to set it up, right? Like Marty, you, we'd want you to be able to set it up in five, 10 minutes on your model, right? Something like that. Uh, that's the, it's gotta be like very simple. Right. And that's hard to do. Uh, and then I think this recovery stuff, you know, like, I'm not sure if, uh, you know, this Chami and Cash idea has been around for a while, uh, since the 82 or so. And, uh, you know, it's, it hasn't, been it doesn't have a, a terribly successful record with deployment. Uh so we have to I think I think the recovery this recovery idea is is a big one. But you know like that Bitcoin's like a fundamental new design parameter here, right? Like Bitcoin has multi-sig that doesn't exist before. It's like a new, different, interesting thing. And so we kinda like leverage this new trust architecture. So I think we have a like a novel, new take on things. Uh so these are these are some some of the things that
2: I, th- I think all the concerns you mentioned were mostly technical in nature. And actually, yeah. there I have little concern because it's a very interesting project and we have a lot of very smart people that reach out to us and want to work on it. And so I think we will be able to overcome all of these. Uh, like it will be a work, a lot of work, but we'll manage to do it. Uh, what I find really fascinating about uh, having uh, Feddy as a company involved now is that we can actually do the also hard work of, exploring and finding out what our target users actually want. Like, yeah. uh, what do we need to build for them, for them to be able to use it day to day? And that's something open source projects haven't been as successful at, uh, yeah. I think. And that's why it's really useful to have the company build um, a wallet based on the core protocol of mm-hmm. Uh Because now we can go into these markets, do our research um, and And just tweak the very versatile protocol, which is Pediment, to exactly fit their needs and uh, be like the best wallet they could imagine. And that's our goal.
3: And I think that's, um, it was really interesting when Justin spoke to the technical risks. But from my side of looking at this, I have the, I I mean, I've worked with um, a number of engineers and Architects over uh, over the years, application architects over the years, and these are these these guys are right out there at the top. And I mean, hundreds. I I was a CTO for f- for fifteen years before being a CEO, so um, I know when I meet someone or people who are just really really good on a on a combination of levels. Um, so when people, if people want to get involved in this project, it's always good to be working with some of the best and you're going to be working with some of the best here. So that's just going to be an incredibly, and very humble people. So it's an incredible environment to work in. Um, but, uh, and that's why I feel that there's going to be challenges, but I feel very confident that they're going to fix uh, or resolve them or, or make sure it will work. On the other side, I think that the risk that I see the most is um, that we will, Um, create a great product. People can use it and download it, but that we stop there. And we don't want to stop there. It's not just holding. Ultimately, we want people to use Bitcoin. Now that we've made a tool that's cheap, privacy preserving, um, um, relatively fast transactions, really good default level of security as well. Okay, that's the basic platform, but we have to solve the problem of creating a circular economy uh, yeah. what, I, and, and that's, and that's an unsolved problem where at scale, you, i.e. you've got a city or a town who, you know, you walk in and pretty much a large percentage of people, a large percentage of the places readily accept, readily use, readily pay with, um, with, um, technology that's powered by Bitcoin. Um, we need to make, that's the point that we have to get to and make sure that, that happens. Um, it's unsolved, but again, um, unlike other projects, and though Fedi is um, ostensibly uh, a, a company that creates this app, really it's a company dedicated to creating um, Bitcoin massive adoption of circular economies, knowing that that's the base for it. We have the basic tool to be able to do that. And a key part is partnering of all these people who are on the ground who know their community and, we would, and, uh, and know the problem that, they, that hopefully and the Mint solves and are willing to work around the clock till we figure out how to make sure this happens as a circular economy. But that's, that's the one risk that we don't, we also don't create a circular economy. But again, my feeling is given the wealth of skill that we've managed to amass on that side of things, that we will find solutions. And then we can just replicate. That's an issue of replicating and and tuning over the next 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. Circular, I mean, that's like the thing in my mind. The
0: circular economy obviously has been a big meme in Bitcoin. We had the the merchant adoption meme in 2013. And now um, as the price of Bitcoin has fallen, people are poo-pooing, number go up and trying to entice people to use Bitcoin more. And uh, that's why I'm particularly excited about your focus on the global south and uh, that market because it seems like they need desperately need these tools and that's the question in my mind do they get this tool and have an aha moment like oh this is the solution and then it spreads like viral wildfire where they go to every merchant are like download Fetty this is what we're going to use from now on
3: yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot of things that we're looking at in that respect. But ultimately, we're going to run a number of experiments. Some of them might be um, getting... There's a lot of money that goes into these um, uh, these uh, various locations from the outside. One obvious example you stated is from the diaspora itself and others. Getting, um, educating people to put in a percentage of that... Um, into um, being donated in the form of Bitcoin or running on Bitcoin rails as the mechanism for them to receive that. That's one. That's one area that we want to trial in certain places. There's also understanding what who are the different actors, the commercial, the the not the, the, the actors in a given jurisdiction, and that need to be focused and educated. And they're the sort of like linchpins who from them everybody else follows. Um, Again, that's another area of investigation. So we might say, well, we make sure that these people are really comfortable in using it, because if they use it, everyone else follows them. And it's different depending on the culture and so on. And there's um, many other features as well um, and, and parts of it, but all of these are with the higher level objective. How do we make sure they don't just download the app and install it and use it and then don't follow on from there? but they are, there's some reason why they have to keep coming back to the app, because that's the thing. If you have a really simple, easy to use app with everything and there's a reason to keep coming back to it, then eventually the aha moments will, will happen.
0: And so, I mean, we started this discussion with the criticism of, um, of Fetty, after, Fetty Mint after the launch because of the trade-off on the custody side. And a lot of that criticism revolved around, uh, we don't need mass adoption. Uh, Bitcoin doesn't need mass adoption. What would you say to people who are, are saying that, that Bitcoin doesn't need mass adoption. It just needs a core group of people who are holding their own private keys and self custody and interacting in their own circular economy. Like what is the, the case for, for mass adoption, uh, in your guys' perspective?
1: I mean, I think of it in terms of people need Bitcoin, right? Like we've experienced that it's a great tool for freedom and for thriving and it's helped all of us and it's helped a lot of our friends. And so you have sort of a responsibility to try to bring it to other people. You know, there's most people don't have it yet. And so that's what we're trying to do is trying to help bring this to other people. Right. Uh, Because that's that's what we should do. It's this great tool. You should you should bring it to as many people as you possibly can.
2: Yeah, I think there are two parts to this question. Like, First of all, if you believe that uh, Bitcoin has uh, such good monetary properties that adoption is inevitable, basically, because people see it as a way to uh, preserve their wealth, then you really want to enable them to hold it in the most decentralized fashion possible or in the most self sovereign fashion possible. And that might not be uh, like uh, everyone having um, big multi-sig fatra wallets. That's probably not the case. Like, that's not possible. Like, we have to work with what is actually achievable and uh, work inside this, um, this mindset. So, that's the first part. And secondly, if this wasn't the case and you, you wanted to keep Bitcoin this small, fringe thing that uh, people that like privacy, that uh, like sovereignty use, um, how do you buy things? like if you if every time you want to buy some real world good, you have to go through an exchange, how much privacy can you actually achieve? how much self sovereignty can you actually achieve? I don't think that's uh, like a viable path forward, even for hardcore bitcoiners that don't really want others to adopt it necessarily it It won't give you the sovereignty you're looking for, I think
3: yeah i I would like to think about it just hyperbitcoinization for me. Um, is an end goal where everybody everywhere has the ability if they so wish to hold and use Bitcoin if for whatever reason for reasons of um, cost or reasons of fear or for reasons of regulatory um, um, exclusion billions of people and you know we're talking if you add those things together billions of people do not have access to, being able to hold Bitcoin for one reason or another, then you cannot, by definition, have hyper-Bitcoinization. So you're precluding that. And the second thing for me is money has a network effect. I think um, uh, Eric mentioned it already to some degree. The more places, the value of your money and the value of the network goes up with Metcost. And so... If you um, exclude half the people on the planet, say, from using it, it's not half as valuable. It's a tiny fraction of the value as to the point where anywhere I go, in any country, I can use this same token. It's far more useful than if it's only in these few places. So um, those are my two, the network effect of money um, and also the desire ultimately for hyperbiconization to be realized. Requires you to solve have a solution that works for everybody. Yeah, and
0: I think the the individuals who are saying, "Oh, we don't need mass adoption. Like it, it would be bad if we had a critical mass of people interacting with Bitcoin via these fediment federations." It's, I don't want to call it a straw man, but it, it sort of paints the picture of, "Oh, if we get all this Bitcoin locked in these federations, and something happens, it, it everybody's going to get rug pulled." But I think the nature of distributed federations where you have thousands, hundreds of thousands really distributes that risk at a, at a granular level.
2: Yeah, and yeah. I, I think we, we should be totally honest there. Like, there will probably be some rug pulls eventually. Like, if people uh, don't choose their guardians carefully, like if they uh, like just go with some random uh, anonymous people uh, that set up a federation, then that's a possibility. But the great thing about uh, these federations being interconnected by lightning is that none of them has to become so large that it would be a systemic risk to Bitcoin, first of all, like the damage would be localized. And uh, on our mid to longer term roadmap uh, is also that we want to enable people to hold their money on multiple federations. Like you might choose one federation, which is really local to you, where you really trust the people to hold most of your money. but it doesn't have uh, such a good privacy set. Like it might only be like your 500 people in your village. While when you want some more privacy to transact, uh, then you might choose a different federation that has um, many more users, but you don't put that much money on that. And also better
1: liquidity on them. Yeah, exactly. More lightning nodes. Just the payment will be faster stuff like
3: that. It's, 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 it's your, it's your purse federation versus your, your, your vault federation. As it were, you know. Yeah. And uh, at that point, then if you, if they do rug pull you, it's 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 uh you know it's the the price of the dinner that you're gonna pay that you know to go out to that night. Yeah, and- the same as pickpocketed. You know that happens as well, but it doesn't mean that we should therefore get rid of purses because pickpocketing happens.
0: Yeah, and I'd be I'd be very interested to see if we find user interactions similar to what we've seen historically with mining pools, like when G Hash got. 55% of network hash rate, people moved uh, off that pool rather quickly because they noticed a, a systemic risk yep. potentially to uh, a 51% attack. And like, could something similar happening at the federation level where if individuals see a federation attaining X percent of the overall liquidity in overall federations, they begin to move to, to mitigate that risk.
3: I was say, uh, one, one thing on that actually as well, what, what I'm keen to see, but we'll, we'll take it step by step, is I think we're keen to see is to include within the app um, reminders and, and and education as well. So, for example, we might remind people, are you sure you know the guardians of this federation you're joining? If you don't, do not proceed. So that way if someone tries to trick someone, hopefully the app can help minimize that as well.
0: And Justin, were you going to say something there before you froze up?
1: Uh I forgot we lost internet for a second. <laughs> you know
0: what I was going to say. Yeah. I was uh yeah I was I had just made the comment about like mining pools um people migrating off once they hit a certain critical mass and then could something similar happen with federations and people see one federation getting too big they decide to move their funds off of that.
2: Yeah definitely and I think a really interesting thought experiment is uh we want to keep these federations honest. Uh so what you could actually do is, uh, like, if the user wants that, uh, then you could automate bank runs pretty much and <laughs> just uh, prove liquidity <laughs> that way. Like, uh, there are some, some interesting ideas around, like, how can you keep them honest? Uh, like, if a federation gets too big, like, you could have, like, a backup federation where your wallet automatically switches your funds to. And it's, since it's all connected by Lightning, like, as long as there's enough liquidity, it should be uh, rather cheap to do so.
3: That's interesting.
2: That's real proof of reserve. Yeah.
3: <laughs> well, that is. Uh, okay, oh, yeah. oh, go ahead, Obi. So, no, 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 no. I, 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 that's the first time I heard that idea. And I I, I, I love thinking like that because um, we're all aligned on um objective. That's all. Yeah. And uh, we've been. I gotta mean,
1: mentioned- say, we, we take this very seriously on the Fetty Project, too. There's a, a guy named Kitman who's uh, an M. Uh, just showed up randomly a couple months ago, and he's been doing a lot of great stuff on auditing, like every epic. Right, an epic is like a block. Uh, every epic of the federation, like making sure everything adds up to zero, making sure everything, you know, like uh, the bank, the 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 mint is fully backed every single moment, right? So, like, there's a lot of engineering problems here too that we've been, you know, that are very exciting if anybody's uh, a Rust developer.
0: <laughs> Rust. Justin and I have been talking a lot about Rust. He's become uh, infatuated with the the language Rust. Rust is hot in the yeah, streets right now.
2: Ever since I like Fetty him in Miami, like uh, yeah, we, we <laughs> met uh, we met at
1: Jeremy uh, Rubens' uh, club cool. <laughs> event. Yeah, and uh, I looked over and I saw the I, I recognized his Twitter avatar. I have like a photographic memory for Twitter avatars, and I'm like, oh, you're Eric. And so we started talking, I was like, yeah, I'm never going to program again. I'm sick of it. Uh, And then over about a week, about a week later, I was cracking open the Rust editor and (laughs) getting it the compiler, getting it all going again. So I didn't last long there. (laughs) Yeah, Rust is a really interesting language. You're seeing seeing basically the entire ecosystem of Bitcoin slowly move towards it. So many of the new interesting projects are in Rust. Uh, It has a really nice developer experience. It's just as fast as C. It's sitting safer. Uh, Code is relatively readable. Every once in a while we run into rough edges right now like our module system can't be very easily expressed in rust currently but uh yeah it's a lot of fun and you can see you can see you know look at look at new projects being uh, introduced in bitcoin now but half the time there's some the often time there's a rust rust code involved
0: mm-hmm. um obi i know you have to go in 10 minutes but i wanted to touch on the lightning network aspect of this we obviously federations will communicate and move funds between each other using the lightning network what are the externalities for the lightning network if Fediment reaches a critical mass of adoption what will that do for liquidity and availability on the lightning network you
3: guys want to add on that or?
1: I mean Eric might be the most he's the most sophisticated technical person here I mean from my point of view like think of the externalities of the lightning network if everybody has a a phone that's intermittently connected running lightning channels comes on and offline. And you know, how well is it going to work? If you have five, six hop payments across all these channels, right? Like just just when you think of, if you just to, to reverse the question, right? Like that's not going to be a very, uh, reliable system. Uh not to say that people shouldn't do that, but if the
2: whole network is like that, it might not be terribly reliable. Uh, yeah, I think you already touched on this uh, earlier. Like uh, when you're running an LSP for a federation or a lightning gateway for a federation, as we call it, then uh, your cost of capital is much lower because you deploy, um, like, essentially what you do is you open one big lightning channel to all federation users when you connect to a federation. And like you share the liquidity that you provide over all these users. And when you-, you Amortize it, basically, yeah, yeah. everyone. Like when you imagine uh, if all these users wanted to open actual lightning channels to you, you would uh, need like a multiple of the capital to achieve like a, like a usable level of uh, capacity. Like you want to have a certain minimum of capacity to route payments to users um, that requires a certain amount of locked up, ca- locked up capital per channel. But if you can amortize like your cost of capital over all these users by using like one big channel essentially, then it's just awesome for the LSP,
1: and it's a little different from having like uh, you know a vision where you have like custodial lightning wallet, and that node serves all of their users, and there's no sort of there's no way for like any other node operator to come in and like you know plug in. Like an interesting thing about this is that you know you could have these nodes moving around.
2: Uh, you know, I think uh, yeah, what you're referring to is the fact that like the federation has nothing to do with the lightning gateway yeah. or the LSP, like. Any uh, any lighting node or any user that trusts the federation can equip their Lightning node with a, a small like a plugin or like small additional uh, program and make it an LSP for federation. And like, so I think it could be very competitive yeah.
1: in like the market sense, which will lead yeah. to just better everything better, right? Uh, and you know you could have stuff where federations publish. Some sort of like, uh, I don't know exactly, I haven't thought about this much, but like some way to, you know, publish some performance, uh, privacy preserving performance performance statistics. Think of these leaderboards, you know, for like liquidity, right? Like, could you have a
2: similar thing for uh, for these yeah. sort of mint things? Like a routing success and failure statistics. Yeah, exactly. Gateways and right. Like if, if you're well connected and uh, like... 90% of your um, uh, routing attempts succeed. And that's much better than like someone who's badly connected and only like 40% of your routing attempts succeed.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but uh, again, so- that
3: would probably be something that would be information that your software will take into account and then adjust yeah. hopefully automatically for you. You wouldn't as a user be seeing that. It's just, but, but this is the thing it's, it's, uh, um, Running an exchange, we would have uh, a um, cold wallet and a hot wallet, or our case was a warm wallet. Um, But the amount of capital that we had to hold on the warm wallet was just based on modeling the statistical amount that gets withdrawn by all of our hundreds of thousands of users on average over a period of time, with a little bit of buffer to add in peak periods, that was a tiny fraction of the actual amount of Bitcoin that we held. And it's also a tiny fraction of the actual volumes that were being sent. Um, Because we could, we could model that across all users. Um, If you, um, if you say you had a federation of a thousand users um, and now and again, some of them would um, potentially send, I don't know, point, 0.01 Bitcoin, even, which is, we're talking about, what is it, $200. That's not that much, but 0.01 Bitcoin. Well, if you were a a Lightning service provider and you wanted to individually connect up to all of them, let's just say it could go both ways and you wanted to capitalize it as well. You would have to put 0.01 Bitcoin into each one of these thousand users channels on your side, for example, if you wanted to provide a similar level of volume the other way. Well, that that's 10 Bitcoin locked up for those 1,000 users. In reality, most of them may you know, only do that very rarely and so on. Now, if you've got a federation with 1,000 users, you might find that across all of them, you just need to put in half a Bitcoin. And that gives you the same level of coverage based on the average amount someone is going to use the system. And if it's getting a little bit lower, just like people like an exchange managing a, as a, um, their hot wallet, you could... Top it up um, out of band, and just keep going. And that that's just a extremely a more powerful way and more efficient and um, way of managing your your capital if your endpoints are federations, and therefore you're going to make more profit from it at a much lower cost of capital, and therefore that's going to lead to a healthy externality for the network because it becomes. It's more likely for it to be profitable to be an LSP, especially if you're a L- lightning gateway. And you're going to want customers from that network because it's, it's, it's just a more reliable source of income. Yeah. Bullish on lightning yeah, liquidity.
2: It's a second order effect, I think. Uh, what this means is that uh, your cost of capital to provide inbound uh, liquidity for users uh, gets lower. Is uh, that suddenly a bunch of use cases that weren't viable in Lightning so far become viable? Like, for example, like some exchanges already allow you to withdraw using Lightning, but uh, like for how many users is this actually useful? Like uh, currently, if I'm running uh, like my own Lightning node, and it's it's like a gamble if I will actually be able to receive uh, from an exchange because uh, typically I don't have. Uh, that amount of inbound liquidity that I would require for my like stacking, for example, like when I stack sets, then uh, it's not like a coffee, and uh, you do this in like larger increments. And uh, so, if you have these LSPs that are really well connected, I could imagine that for many people, your onboarding experience becomes uh, the exchange pays the lighting invoice for them, and they never touch the chain actually that becomes viable because uh, like the cost of, in, uh, of providing a certain amount of inbound liquidity uh, is so low if uh, you have a lot of users that are served by the same LSP. And I think that's an Im- amazing future where we're going to because lightning makes everything so much better. Like uh, mm-hmm. on-chain experience isn't great. Uh, and I think if we want to bring Bitcoin to the masses, it has to be lightning or at least something that has the same um, same properties as Lightning. If like you have instant settlement, uh, you have relatively low fees, and uh, they actually dependent on the amount and not on, like, whatever the mempool is doing right now and all these things. Yeah. So I think it uh, will have some enormous positive externalities, too. Like, if we can make Lightning super simple and uh, make it succeed in, like, 99.9% of the cases which like most custodial providers already manage, but like most non-custodial, not really. Like then we are winning.
0: Yeah. Hmm. I mean, if this is successful, it would be massive. Um, when for, it is when successful. it's successful. <laughs> no, it's,
3: it will. I, I'm a very, very, very um, um, cautious person, but this is, this is going to be successful. I agree.
0: I mean, Disclaimer, uh, I'm a venture partner at 1031. We are invested in FEDI and uh, grant uh, grant uh, tours to the Fedament protocol. Um, Obi, I know you have to go. I'm very excited for what you guys are building. Um, I think we should wrap it up here with some final thoughts from the three of you. What um, What should we look out for in the next six months? Where do you see this going? Is there anything you haven't said that you want to say before we wrap up?
3: Can I start because I will then have to go, but um, I I feel blessed to be working on this project. It feels like everything I've done up to now is leading up to this, and what's coming in the next six months is a just lots of awesome. I'll leave these guys to to say the details. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you, Obi. You want to go? I'll,
1: I'll go. You go last yeah. because it's. His idea. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, uh, I mean, I'd say like uh, my, my stress is going to be, you know, if you're, if you're a developer, uh, check out chat.discord or no, uh, Uh, that's a, uh, open up discord, uh, just jump in there and start, you know, be a fly on the wall, ask questions. Uh, we have about 130 people in there, uh, that are interested in the project and about 10, 10 or so people that are contributing now. Uh, and so, yeah, we're really looking for on the Fed, on the open source side, just some talented, uh, software developers, rust developers to, you know, with some really interesting problems. Uh, like that's, that's the, you know, like that's the, the biggest roadblock currently is just getting the, the server to work. And then, uh, on the Feddy side, uh, you know, Feddy meant Feddy separate things. Uh, on the Fetty side, checks out in on uh, Bitcoiner Jobs, just look, looks at Bitcoiner Jobs. We're looking for a, a mobile developer and a Rust developer there as well. So that's, um, sorry for the shill, but we, we really need to see talented people. We need help.
2: Yeah. So uh, for me, I will be uh, staying on the open source uh, side for like most of my time Uh Like, uh, I'm really excited about onboarding more people to the Fatimint project, Uh, like it's an open source project. It's amazing. Like we got uh, already a lot of talented people working on it Mm -hmm. and um, it's just awesome seeing it go from like I'm hacking on it alone, like as a blockchain researcher and uh, getting some help from some crazy good people like Tim Ruffing, who helped me with crypto and uh, Andrew Perlster, who explained uh, some of the federation intrinsics to me. But like, I was essentially working on it uh, alone for a long time, and now I have all these co-contributors, and it's just awesome. And, uh, like, uh, huge thanks, uh, even so, he already left to Obi, uh, for like, just, um, yeah, uh, talking to everyone who would listen about Mint and being such a great, uh, yeah, spokesperson, pretty much. And yeah, then, we will get this the Fedimin protocol to a state where it's deployable to the real world, and then I hope by the time the team around Feddy will have an awesome app ready, so we can yeah. actually use it in the real world and I want to make this my day to day lightning lightning wallet so I can dogfood food it yeah, and from there on, we will just improve, improve, improve on both sides like yeah. Fetty Mint will get many more modules, a lot of functionality, and things we can't even imagine yet, yeah. and on the Feddy side. Uh, I will leave that to you guys. Like,
1: yeah, I think it's an interesting project because, like, you know, we're, there's like some really hardcore. Like, I mean, I, I gave a talk about this at a conference, right? And I, I was like, okay, so we use uh, MuSig, we use blinded threshold signatures, we use the, just like uh, down a list of all uh, consensus algorithms. We use all these like really fancy, uh, uh, like, technical ideas that like uh, programmers like. And usually when you see that, it's something that's never gonna see the light of day in the real world, right? Like that's, it's usually kind of a red flag, but I, I think this is actually something that there's going we're gonna go and like deploy it in communities, right? We're gonna actually try to go and deploy it in the real world. So it's, it's, uh, it's I think it's gonna be a very interesting thing to work on because you have this like combination of, of actual like hardcore engineering, design, uh, which is a, a really important thing. Uh, and then like actual distribution. Right. Uh, and then, you know, the core thing is all open source and the app will yeah.
0: be as well. Yeah. I mean, Eric, it's been astonishing how quickly uh, you've built out with the help of others. This protocol, I believe it was like only a year ago, maybe a little bit over a year ago that you announced that you're working on Mini mint and building out this protocol and to see. Well,
2: Eric, when did, you, uh, when did you have the idea of how, like, tell the whole story about it? Like, yeah. I think the idea that it was uh, really early uh, actually because uh, yeah.
1: we were just talking about this, and I was surprised to hear the kind of the whole saga
2: yeah like um, I don't think I want to go into all of it because we will be sitting here for quite a while yeah but just but, like uh, when uh, did yeah. it
1: kind of start some of the
2: yeah I think uh, the, I did the first commit to the Feman uh, project uh, in like in january twenty twenty one but I uh, think you were saying that you're you're like
1: you're investigating the ideas like Charming Ecash, like yeah, three like, or four years before that. That just... happened
2: way before. Yeah. Because when you look at it, uh, like Liquid was coming out in 2018, and uh, it's, it's a great project. But I always wondered, like, why do we need the sidechain? Yeah. So uh, from then on, like, I read a lot about cryptography and thought, like, hey, you know this uh, Charming Ecash thing? Like, what if we could build this into a federation? Uh, then the big problem was, uh, like, you kind of need to. Uh, federate the signature generation. Like uh, what Xiaomi eCache uses is blind signatures and we needed uh, special blind signatures. And that took me quite a while. Like I got distracted again. And uh, at some point, like Smuggler, uh, uh, Jonathan Logan here, held a presentation at HCPP here in Prague, actually at Parallel And I uh, was discussing the, the same concepts and that reignited my interest in uh, in the technology. And then I began uh, working on, like, an actual implementation for, uh, like, special plant signatures first and then on of the preservation protocol. Um, I think I began to work on the final prototype, like, which we're using now um, in, like, January 2021. I had some other prototypes before, but nothing really worked out. And I announced it in Miami that yeah. year, 2021. Like, that's the first time I talked about it publicly, I think. Yeah. Like, uh, I was actually chilling in the Dominican Republic because uh, we couldn't uh, go to Miami directly from the Schengen area. And uh, like registering the domain the domain name and everything and getting it all set up. Uh, and in the open source tent, uh, it was terribly hot. Uh, like <laughs> I went on stage and announced this uh, project. And yeah. it has only been growing ever since.
1: But yeah, it's inter- it was interesting to hear that this is actually like a forty ish year old yeah. like project, right? Which is like, I don't know. It's, it's it was kind of encouraging to me just to hear you know like, these things don't happen overnight. You know, it's like like slowly building all the primitives to actually make the the final thing work. Like it it, it didn't just take a year. It's been yeah. it's been going on for
2: longer actually. Yeah, yeah. I definitely have been uh, thinking about it for a long time. Yeah, and uh, actually doing something that's something completely different. Yeah, like uh, the just uh, was like okay, I have to do it now because hybrid condensation is happening. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just this realization. Yeah. Like, if you don't do it, nobody else will. Yeah.
0: If not me, then who? Yeah. And and, yeah. It, and I think, I mean, I don't want to use the term black swan because it's bastardized, but I, it, it, for me personally, like seeing, uh, I've, obviously we've seen people talk about sidechains, Lightning, when you announced like, hey, I'm going to build this Chalmy and Mint uh, on top of Bitcoin. That was like a real big wow moment for me. Like nobody's thought about scaling Bitcoin in this way up to this point, at least not from my observation. I had not seen it up to that point. And I think it's a really unique and novel way to get Bitcoin into the hands of the masses and somewhat, uh, uh, I don't see anybody experimenting with this, not only in Bitcoin, but other chains when they talk about like scaling and privacy technology. I think this is an extremely novel and creative way to to bring these properties to Bitcoin users. So... Shout out to you guys.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's gonna take many projects like this, right? Like we need, there's no one solution in Bitcoin, right? It's not just like, there's there's one, there's no silver bullets, right? We need, we need lots of different groups trying lots of different things. And that's how we figure out, like get the full product offering that, uh, you know, where there's something for everybody so we can actually move the world off of fiat onto Bitcoin.
0: Let's go do it boys.
2: To do it. Yeah. done. Back to work,
0: I guess. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you guys for doing what you do, for joining me today. Go enjoy the rest of your afternoon in Prague, and uh, I'll see you next month, Justin. The, the Austin crew is missing you terribly. Absolutely. Your, your desk got taken out of the office, too, so <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> don't expect that to be here when you get back.
1: <laughs> oh, man, that's brutal. How do they do me like that?
0: We do have lo fi music playing during the day now, though. I think you're going to like it. Yeah, well,
1: I, I started that. I started that. <laughs> I was the one who figured out how to run the speakers, actually.
0: <laughs> well, thank you for doing that. It's a much better vibe in here now. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you, gentlemen. Um,
1: thank you. So, go
0: go forth and fucking build the future. Let's go. Amen.
1: Amen. Bye yeah. next time. See you. Bye bye.
0: Peace of love, freaks. Okay.